How's it going? Hey, everyone, turn with me quickly in your Bibles to Matthew chapter number 11, Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. We've been in this passage now for the past few weeks. This is our last weekend here in our collection of talks uh, titled uh, Unforced, Learning a New Way to Be Human. And so uh, it's, been, it's been a great few weeks thus far. Matthew chapter 11. If you're new to your Bibles, you don't know how to find the book of Matthew, no worries. Just turn to the very front of your Bible. Look in that table of contents section. There's going to be Old Testament, New Te- uh, Old Testament and New Testament. Find the New Testament section. It'll be very first name, Matthew. Go to that page number. Then look for the big number 11, the little numbers 28 next to all the sentences. And that's where we will start. Um, I'm just going to speak briefly this morning and then... Uh, um, kind of we'll pray out and then we'll dismiss uh, anyone who is uh, registered to um, get their child dedicated. You go pick up your kid from our children's ministry, our incredible children's ministry. And then you come back and we'll get up on stage and we as a congregation all together, we're going to dedicate some children to the Lord, which is awesome. Hmm. Yep. Okay. And uh, who here, who here uh, has kids? Anyone ever had kids? Okay, cool. Who here has ever been a kid? You've ever been a kid? <laughs> the ones who didn't raise their hand have probably never been a kid, honestly. They're like... Okay, anyways, um, Matthew chapter 11. If you're there, say amen. If not, say hold on. Oh, okay. Um, we'll hold on just uh, for a moment. Um, uh, did you, who watched the Super Bowl last week? Anybody? Wow. I love how many people aren't raising their hands. They're like, it's great. Uh, who watched the commercials for the Super Bowl? There we go. That's good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Enough of the small talk. Come to me. This is Jesus, and he's speaking again to a crowd of people from all different um, <clears throat> ages and stages and walks of life. He says This says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I just want to—I wanted to, to read this out of a different translation called the Message Translation. This is written by a, a theologian by the name of Eugene Peterson, and uh, this is how he phrases it. I think it's just brilliant for today's language. He says, "Are you tired? Are you worn out?" Are you burned out on religion? Well, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. in our unforced collection of talks today, I just want to talk about this idea of being under the influence. Under the influence of Jesus, by the way. <laughs> so you guys are like, perfect, I came to the right spot. I'm already there. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, we love you. We just ask now, Lord, that, um, that you would speak to us, encourage us. God, convict us. Um, we just we want to be near to you. We want to resemble you more and more. And, um, and Lord, we know that, that so many of us are coming in with different situations and different stuff going on within our lives. And so, Lord, as you do speak to us corporately, just please, please speak to us individually. Holy Spirit, just spark something within each and every one of us. Father, we love you, we trust you, we thank you, and it's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, 
I, uh, you know, this whole idea of, of child dedication today, I actually, um, I, we dedicated all three of our, our kids when we were up in um, the Pacific Northwest at a church up there, and I was on staff at, and it was just really special to us because we, we love parenting. We love being, oh, I should say, we love being parents. Parenting is the hardest thing that I have ever done in my entire life, and all the parents said amen. Um, it's, it can be, it, it's difficult, and, and there's so much that we are trying to do as parents, like, intentionally, like, we're trying to, to raise our, our children in certain ways, and there's, there's, you know, different situations that we dive into with them, and, you know, different times where we have to let them kind of go their way and, and figure some stuff out, but it's just, it's incredibly, it's been an intentional thing, and the older they've gotten, the more intentional it has been for us, where I'm, like, like, thinking through, am I saying the right things, you know, to my teenage daughters? Am I saying the right thing to my teenage son? Am I, am I, am I, you know, doing this and doing that, and so it's, 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 it's pretty wild, but as, as an intentional as we are, there's so much that they pick up on unintentionally. Like, there's so much stuff that happens in parenting that, um, with, with your kids that really they start to resemble you whether you realize it or not. Um, for, for, for instance, and maybe if you've heard this story uh, before, you're going to hear it again. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not an early riser by any means. Um, I absolutely hate getting up early. Um, I got up today at 5.55 in the morning, um, which sucked, but it's what I, it's what I do um, on Sunday mornings. And so, but normally what I do is I, I, I get up, I get up normally around like uh, maybe 7.30ish or so. I'm trying to get better though. I have this idea that I am going to get up at 6 a.m. every day, and then I hit snooze a few times, and eventually I turn it off, and then I get up when my body tells me to. But so I, 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 um, I have this routine, though. When I get up, I, I, I get downstairs, I trudge downstairs, and I immediately go for the coffee um, because coffee is, is good for the soul. It's good for the body. I don't know. Amen. Thank you, babe. Um, I love coffee. So I get my coffee, and then I'll go, and I'll um, – it depends on the day. I mean, especially right now because it's been so cold in the mornings. Like, I'll sit on my couch, and I'll throw blankets over me, and um, and, and I'll, I'll maybe, you know, I'll get into some scripture and stuff and drink my coffee, read my Bible, you know, sometimes check social media for being really honest. And um, – <clears throat> And anyways, it's kind of like, it's, it's been a routine of mine for, for years. I come downstairs, drink my coffee, get into the Word. That's kind of what I do. And I noticed one day that my son, this was years ago, this is when he's like seven years old, and um, he comes down and, uh, and he grabs his Bible. He grabs his Bible and, and, he, and he sits down and, and he asks, he goes, hey, Dad, can I have a cup of coffee? <laughs> and I was like, of course, son, of course you can have coffee, because the Bible is clear, raise a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. So um, I got him just a full cup of coffee. <laughs> and no, I'm kidding. It was a little bit of coffee, a lot of milk, probably a ton of sugar. And, and he comes in, he sits, and he has his coffee. I've got my coffee, and he opens up his Bible, and I got my Bible. And I'm like having this moment of like, you know, this, be this beaming thing of like, Lord, you're so faithful. You're so good. I'm such a good dad. And <clears throat> and like it was, he was just, it was just in this really sweet time of, of life for him where, where he just, it, it feels like he was just like kind of a, a mini me in a lot of ways. And then one, one day I noticed too that he would go up to my wife and, and he would be like, mom, you're just the best mom. I know, right? And he'd be like, he'd be like, mom, you're just, you're so pretty. You're so pretty, mom. You're just the most prettiest mom in the whole wide world. And I'm like, dang, my son's got game. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
telling you, he's like, he's 13, he's looking good. Anyway, so, <laughs> so I was like, I was like, man, this, this guy's like, this kid's like sweet talking my wife. Like, he's just, he's, he's man, and, and Aaron said to me, I, I think we're standing in the kitchen. And she goes, you know where he gets that from, don't you? You know where he gets that from. And I was like, no, like, where he, she goes, he, he gets it from you. Like, he, he listens to the way that you talk to me. He sees the way that you interact with me. Like, he's, he gets this from you. And I, I had this moment, because I, I never had a conversation with my son. I never was like, look, son, in order to be a man, this is what you got to do. You got to drink coffee, first off. <laughs> right? You got to drink coffee. I was never like, and, and look, you got to learn how to talk to ladies, my dude. So this is, what you, this is how you talk to ladies. I never, I never, ever did that with my son. But what it taught me in that moment is that things are oftentimes caught more than they are taught. And that he had, by just being around me, learned these different things. Now, there's other bad habits that he learned, too, that we won't talk about right now. But, but, um, but he, had, he had learned this just from... From, from being around. And Jesus, when he's speaking to this crowd, he's really, he's really kind of saying the same thing to them. He's like, look, if you, if you want to learn how to live, if you want to learn how to rest, if you want to learn these unforced rhythms of grace, it's not going to be like in a, in a five-part course that you take every Saturday night or every Wednesday evening. No, he's saying, if you want to learn these things, you got to be around me. So he says, look, you've got to walk with me, you've got to work with me, and you've got to watch me. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace by walking with me, working with me, and watching me. Like, be around me. That's going to begin to change your life. That's going to begin to change your substance. That's going to show you what real rest is like. That's going to show you what real grace looks like is in order to do this. So he says, walk with me, work with me, watch me. And, and ultimately, when you, when you begin to dive into this whole what it means to learn, like what it means to learn, it's not from this idea of just gaining knowledge. The word learn there in, in that scripture doesn't mean just to gain knowledge. It actually means to apply knowledge. It means to, um, to use, to practice, to take the things that you're learning and by application begin to live these out and watch your life change. Like, that's, that's what he's saying when he says, learn these unforced rhythms of grace. And, 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 and if you watch Jesus' ministry, there's a, it actually goes like this. It goes, it goes walk, watch, and then work. That's, that's how he, like, lays it out, how he begins, like, how he disciples. Jesus disciples by walking, watching, and then working. And this is, and this is it. He says, he says, walk with me. Now, when you, when you read, when you read uh, the Gospels and you see how Jesus began to invite people in, it's quite interesting. He didn't just go up to people. Like, he didn't go to Peter, who was one, Peter was one of his main disciples, one of the first people I ever called. Peter was a fisherman. And when he goes up to Peter on the shore, he doesn't go, hey, look, Peter, this is what I need you to do. I need you right now to believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am the Son of God, that I am the Savior of the world, that I am the Chosen One, that I am the Messiah. And then once you believe that, then you can come and hang out with me. He actually just goes to Peter and says, hey, Peter, follow me. He says, follow me. 
come hang out with me. When he goes to Matthew, now Matthew was a tax collector, which means that he worked for the Roman Empire, ripping off his own people by collecting their taxes plus a little bit more. When he goes up to Matthew, he doesn't say, look, Matthew, what I need you to do right now is I need you to quit this job. I need you to begin to take courses on what it means to actually become a disciple of Jesus, and I need you to pay everything back you've ever stolen. No, he just says, hey, Matthew, follow me which is an invitation to begin to walk with me. See, Jesus' model of ministry isn't, isn't believe in him and then you can belong to him. It's belong. And once you belong, you'll start to believe. Because once you begin to walk with Jesus, once you begin to walk with him, once you begin to just hang out with him, it's only a matter of time before you see his goodness, before you experience his grace, his kindness, his love, and his mercy, and then you just can't help but fall in love with him. You just can't help but want to follow him, be a part of what he's doing. So he says, walk with me. Walk with me. And I love that it's not a run with me. It's not a run with me. It's not a, it's not a like, hey, it's time to go full board. Hey, you know what? You're going to be with me. You better get your running shoes on because we're going for it. If that was the case, dear Lord, help me. I hate running. Right? It's not a sprint with me. It's not a crawl with me. It's a, it's a walk with me. Walks are intimate. Walks are intimate. You know, you know do, you, do you realize, you don't just, usually you don't just go for a walk with anybody. Can you imagine some stranger just comes up to you and is like, yo, man, you look cool. You want to walk with me? <laughs> like, <laughs> you'd be like, uh, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Like, no, like you, you, you walk with people that you want to talk with. You walk with people that you want to interact with. You walk with people that you want to hold hands with, you know? Jesus says, walk with me. It's, it, it's, it's really, it's an invitation to intimacy. It's an invitation to conversation. It's an invitation to where we can do this together. But oftentimes what happens is that within our, our walking with Jesus, sometimes we begin to run ahead or we begin to wander off. Like I am, I am, uh, I'm a hurried person. I just live, I just, I'm always like, let's go, let's go. I hate sitting in traffic, hate traffic. Anybody else hate traffic? Thank you very much. Yep, if you didn't raise your hand, weird. But um, I hate traffic, but I'm, but I'm, so I just, I want to get to where I'm going, right? And so oftentimes when I'm walking with my family, we're going somewhere, I'm like probably four or five paces ahead of them. I'm looking back, like, where are we going? What are we doing? What's going on? Like, why aren't you guys up here with me? And Erin, Erin, God bless her heart. She's always like, hey, I'm back here. Like, you know, slow your roll, homie, and get back and hold my hand. And so, I'll, of course I do. But I, I'm, I'm one of those people that likes to run ahead, and it's, and it's actually, it's a great representation of my relationship with Jesus, honestly. If I can just be completely honest, a lot of times I'm, I'm running ahead, or I'm, I'm like fastly walking ahead of where he's at, and he's like, yo, Jeff, slow up and get back here with me. Because in this relationship, I set the pace. Not you, Jeff. Not you. And it says in Galatians chapter, chapter, chapter 5, I'm going to throw that up there. Galatians chapter 5, verse um, 25. Yeah, there it goes. It says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Meaning if we're, if we're living with, in the Spirit, by the Spirit, meaning like if the old, in the Old Testament it was like the age of God the Father, and then you have the Gospels where it's, it's the age of the Son, Jesus the Son, and now we're living in this age of the Spirit where our relationship is like, like totally with the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit. 
So the Holy Spirit is, is with us, in us, and around us. And so he's saying keep in step with the Spirit. Now, keep in step with is actually almost like a military march. It's mean it's, it's a pace and it's a rhythm that is set by God that we then get in line with. We're, like, we're keeping in line with his rhythm and his pace. Life is full of seasons. Life is full of rhythms. And so that's why it's so important for us to seek out what's that season, what's that rhythm for us right now. And ultimately, it's set in God. So he says, this is, this is what we, we do. And I know some of us are like, well how, well, how exactly then do we find this pace? How exactly do we find this rhythm? And, and I, can't, I can't give you, like, again, a five-step process to this because it's different for each and every one of us. Because each and every one of us can be in different seasons, and God can have us in different seasons, and God can have us in different times. And so that's why it's important for us to learn a dependency on Jesus. A.W. Tozer says it this way in, in his book, Pursuit of God. A.W. Tozer was, was a, a pastor and almost like a, a modern-day prophet in the, in the, in the um, 1950s, 60s, and so on and so forth. And, and he would say this. He'd, have to, he'd say that we need to learn how, to, how to, to tap into and how to grow in our spiritual faculties. Meaning that we have to, like, just as, as we begin to understand our five sentences, our, our taste, touch, <laughs> Those are the only two I care about. <laughs> Smell, hearing, sight. Sight, there we go. <laughs> like, like, as long, like just, as, just as we have like this, that we, we experience our world like this, he says that we have spiritual ones that are, that are very similar. And you read throughout the Bible, taste and see that the Lord is good. Listen to the Lord your God. And so there, these, we just have to begin to learn how to do this. And we, we learn how to do this by taking time. And if, and if we were to read Galatians 5.25, like 5.24, 5.25, and 5.26, you kind of see how it's sandwiched in there, and, and you get to learn a little bit more. But it says in 5.24 that, that we're to put away, like, kind of the flesh, the acts and the deeds of the flesh, meaning that anything that's of our selfish desires, anything that has to do with me, 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 I want, I want, I want, me, 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 like, we, get, we begin to do away with those. We focus less on ourselves in that way. And then the next verse in 26 says this. It says um, that we are not to become envious of other people, that we're not to provoke envy in others, and we're not to be conceited. Which means this, that, like, w- the way that we look at others, we have to look more from the idea of, of how can we help people, how can we love people, not, not I'm jealous of this person, they have more than me, or, like, or how can I make this person feel like less than me? So it's showing that, look, part of this way that we find this rhythm with the Spirit is focusing less on ourselves and focusing less on others in a negative way and focusing just more on Jesus. And we find his pace. And we find his, his rhythm. We walk in this. It just has to do with being content. And I think that's one of the great enemies of, of culture today is, is culture just makes you discontent. We don't have enough. We, we need more. You should be better here. And, and, and Jesus is saying, look, I'm, I'm the whole, I'm the complete. Just find it in me. And Paul writes it in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. He says, look, I've, <clears throat> I've, I've learned the secret to being content in any in, in and every situation. I've been well fed and I've been hungry. I've had plenty and I've had want. The secret is I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Becoming completely dependent on him. So he says, walk with me. And then he says, watch me. Watch me. 
And I know that today, we, we, I mean, you know, we can watch movies about Jesus. You know, some of them are okay. <laughs> some of them are well done, some of them not so much. But even then, I, I wonder, are we getting a real representation, you know? And, and, you know, ultimately we can't because he's not, like, standing in front of us. And there's every once in a while we have great godly examples of people in our lives that we can watch, which is great. But we, we actually have, we have this, this book full of 66 books called the Bible. And it's, it's almost, we, we've almost done a disservice in the sense that we've made the Bible something to study. I don't want to, I'm going to, I might step on a few toes here, so forgive me, you have to, you're Christians, if you're, if you're not a Christian, hate me, I don't care, um, <clears throat> but, we, but we, we have to, we, we, we've made it so much about study, Bible study, and again, it's good to study your Bible, I'm not saying don't study your Bible, study that Bible, we've, we've made it um, almost scholastic, you know, like, like Sunday school, like when, if you grew up in the church, you went to Sunday school, which is, it's, I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's this weird, like, so you're just going to learn these concepts and these things. When, when if it's just all about knowledge, we've missed the point. Even scripture says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. It says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Knowledge puffs up, love builds up. And we can, we can as, as believers, if this becomes just about gaining knowledge, then, then ultimately, almost, we're almost falling into the original sin, by the way, which was that they saw that the fruit was good and pleasing and good for obtaining wisdom and knowledge. So we just find ourselves wanting to know stuff as opposed to wanting to be like. Because this is something to watch. Like, like watch the Bible. As you read it, watch it. Like as you read through the Old Testament, as you read through the law and the prophets and everything written down there, watch how God, the Father, over and over and over again, wins back his people that continue to go astray. Watch, watch how the Lord just, again, he disciplines, but he disciplines for the, 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 the key purpose of getting them back, of winning them back. Watch his patience over and over and over again. Watch these characteristics of God and how much he loves his people and how much he needs to show them that you cannot do this on your own. Because the Israelites over and over and over again thought they could do it their own way, thought that they could do their own thing, thought that they could like live their own way, go their own thing, thought that they could appease God by doing these rituals and all of these different like sacrifices and stuff. And God comes back and says, you can't do it without me. You need me. Watch me. Hang out with me. Like you got to be with me. And not only that, but I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you a Savior who will completely take care of all of this for you. I'm going to point towards my son who's going to come and who's going to save you from your sins. Watch that in the Old Testament. Watch that. Watch in the Gospels. Watch how Jesus deals with people. Watch how Jesus lives out grace and mercy and sacrificial service to people over and over again. Watch how Jesus deals with people who are caught in their sin, not who come up and confess later about what they were doing in their sin, but as they are caught in their sin. Watch how he talks to them. Watch what he does. Man, when I began to read the Gospels, not from a standpoint of like, what can I learn? But I began to watch, I read him going like, I want to see what Jesus did. I want to see how he dealt with people. 
I want to see how he dealt with sin and how he dealt with sin. I want to see this. I want to see how he would deal with me. And you watch as an adulterous woman is dropped right before him, and everyone else wants to, because of what they've learned, stone her. And Jesus looks at her and says, look, all these people right here, anyone without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. No, what I thought. Cool. Hey, no one's here to condemn you. I don't condemn you either. Go. What? What? And, the, you know, the amazing thing is the woman, the woman wasn't there going like, please forgive me. Please forgive me. I blew it. I'll never do it again. I promise. No. When he deals with Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, again, another tax collector, was ripping his people off. You know what his response to Zacchaeus was? Is, Yo, Zacchaeus, I want to go hang out with you. What? Zacchaeus isn't righteous. He's not perfect. He hasn't obtained any of this stuff. Like, Jesus is like, out of all these people here, Zach, I want to hang out with you, man. And then we watch in Acts. You watch in Acts as, you, as the Holy Spirit begins to use normal, messed up, everyday, ordinary people, men and women. The Holy Spirit uses them to carry out his work here on this earth. We watch that. And we watch that. We go, man, if Jesus can use Peter, if the Holy Spirit can use Peter, then maybe he can use me. Man, if the, if the Holy Spirit can, can use John, maybe he can use me. If the, and you begin to read through, if the Holy Spirit can use Paul, maybe he can use me. And we begin to read through this, and we watch this, and we watch throughout the, the rest of the epistles. We watch the Holy Spirit write through different people about how we get along in community. Man, I'm preaching good this morning, and you're all silent. Like watch, we watch how he says, no, this is the way that you interact in community. This is how it works. This is how it works. These aren't like all these rules and regulations that, again, you need to follow. He's saying, look, this is, this is how you live out with your, your finances. This is how you deal with your materials. This is how you deal with all this stuff so that not only are you benefited, but the community that surrounds you is benefited as well. But we have to watch it. We watch this, and we go, wow, if I can... Just see this, and maybe I can begin to emulate it, interact with it, and do it. That's what Jesus did. He said, hey, walk with me. So watch what I do. And then, and then he begins to tell people to do it. He sends them out. Matthew chapter 10, he sends out 12 completely unqualified people to go do his work, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, all that stuff. Completely unqualified people. People that were jacked up, and honestly, these, these 12, these disciples, some of them probably hadn't even given their lives to Jesus yet, hadn't necessarily surrendered, but he's going to use them anyways. If that doesn't mess with you, I don't know what will. In, in John chapter 12, in John chapter 12 verses, sorry, 14, John chapter 14 verses 12 through 14, Jesus had just had a conversation He's having a conversation with his disciples, and he's saying, look, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he, he gives this whole language about, like, you've looked at me, you've seen me, you've watched me, you know me, right? And then he says this to him. He says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. They will do even greater things than Jesus. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. 
What? Means Jesus says, watch me. See all the things I've been doing? You're going to do greater. When isn't that the heart of a great parent who wants more for their children than they had for themselves? I mean, we're, gonna, we're about to do child dedications here at the end, and, and I doubt that any person up here is holding a baby or got a you know, kid's hand in their hand is thinking like, I hope that my kids just don't excel further than me. I hope that they do worse than life for sure. I hope that they make less money. I hope that they have more health issues. I just, man, this is great. Yeah. No. I want, my, I, like, I want my kids to go further than me. I want my kids to have, I want my kids to experience more than I experience. I want to do everything I can to set my kids up, personally. Like, I do. That's, that's, that, that's my heart. But even more so the heart of the Father. Even more so the heart of Jesus that says, look, everything I've been doing, so much more for you guys. So much more. You'll go beyond the miracles that, I, that, that you've seen me do, you can do more. I mean, what an amazing, amazing thing. But we got to watch. We got to watch. And he says, work. He says, work. Work with me. I love that it says, work with me, not work for me. Ooh, that's good. A lot of times we think that we work for God, and we get to work with God. It's like he invites us into the family business. In the family business, you know that ultimately dad and mom, like they're, like they're the owners and they're bosses, but, but it's more we're building this together. We're in this together. This is work with me. In, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, <clears throat> it says, For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, field God's building. Meaning that we get to co-work together with God in order to build up people. The kingdom, the church, it's his people. And so we, as messed up and as struggling and whatnot as we are, we get to be the ones in turn who, by the Holy Spirit, get to help build others. As a matter of fact, he has created you and he has designed you for work. It says in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance to do. And again, like last week, we don't work to get into his presence, but we work from a place of being in his presence. And we're working with him, and he's designed each and every one of you specifically with your specific gifts and your specific passions and your desires and all of that stuff. He's created you that way so that you can then employ those into the kingdom of God and make an impact in other people's lives. Because it's so much bigger than us. And until Jesus came, and again, when Jesus is saying this, it's mind-blowing. It's blowing everyone's minds because for them, being a Jew was, was closed. It was not an open religion. They didn't go around telling people about Yahweh, the great God, and if you would like to become a part of us, this is what you have to do. No, as a matter of fact, if you wanted to join this religion of Judaism, what you'd have to do is you'd have to basically apply. You'd have to go through all these different rituals. You have to do all these different things, and then you could be considered a person of God. But not, not when Jesus showed up. He's like, no, we're opening this whole thing up. Everyone's welcome. Come on. Come all. What? You messed up? Come. What? You're, you, don't, you don't get this? You don't understand? Doesn't matter. Come on. You're welcome. Come with me. Come hang out with me. Come spend time with me. Come follow me. Let's walk together. Let's work together. Come on, watch me. Watch me now. Watch me. Watch me now. Watch me. 
my wife like that. <clears throat> Watch me. <laughs> Watch me. Man, let's do this together. We're building God's kingdom. It's a work of invitation. It's giving hope to the hopeless. He's saying, look, I want you to represent me here on this earth. And, and, and I think it's, uh, it's oftentimes sad is that um, I think our representation of Jesus, let me say it this way, Jesus is attractive. Like the gospel is called good news. Like that's what gospel means is good news. And I think sometimes we present the gospel or represent the gospel as it not being good news. Um, we represent Jesus as, uh, as maybe harsh. Um, maybe we represent Jesus as... Oh, I'm just going to censor myself. But anyways, we just... He's, he loves us. He loves people. And, and, and he wants to heal us. He wants to set us free from sins. He, he, he wants these things for us. And the last verse I end on, and, and, and the worship team will come up and then pray and dismiss people to go get their kids for dedication. But in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, it says that love is made complete in this. That we can have confidence on the day of judgment, meaning the day where we stand before the Lord. We can have confidence because in this life, we were like him. That in this life, we were like him. In this life, we loved like him. In this life, we served like him. In this life, we showed mercy like him. In this life, we were like him. And he invites us into this. He understands the hurry that we live in. He understands, especially now more than ever, he understands our hurriedness. He understands the, the craziness. He understands the pressures that we have on ourselves. And so like this entire series, he gets all of it. And so he says, learn from me. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch me. That's how you're going to figure out these unforced rhythms of grace. Would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes as we pray? Father, we thank you. We thank you that you didn't call us to live a stressful life. We thank you that you didn't call us to live a, a crazy, hurried, burdened, weary life. But you've called us into a life that, where there's peace, where there's rest, where there's healing, where there's love. And so, Lord, I just pray for every single person in this place right now maybe finds themselves in that place where they're walking ahead of Jesus or maybe they're wandering off from him. Lord, that we would just correct right now. We put our focus back on you. We would slow our roll and just be able to find our, our rhythm and our pace in you. Lord, that we would get back to a place of just simply watching what, you, what it is that you do. And that we'd begin to learn how to live by watching what you did. God, I pray that we would unlearn so much of what is already in our lives. And just get back to that place 
or maybe even get to that place for the first time. Hey, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I just want to give an opportunity. If you're in this place this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, maybe you've heard about him or maybe even this is your first time and at a church even and so maybe even the first message you've heard about Jesus will. Jesus loves you. He loves you so much that 2,000 some years ago he came, lived life as a man, and then died on the cross for you. Which basically means this. He took every wrong thing, every sinful thing, everything that causes guilt in your life, he took that upon himself and in a moment in death he destroyed it. And therefore, any consequences eternally that you would have because of it. And with that death, he was then three days later raised to life, meaning this, that you too can be raised to life, meaning that you can have a fresh start, a new life, be changed, be different from this point forward. He loves you. And he just simply says, hey, if you want to be a part of this, just decide. Just decide to give me your life and decide to make a fresh start. So if you're in here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe at one point you had, but you've since walked far, far away, when I count to three and you want to have that fresh start, you want that forgiveness, you want that freedom from guilt, when I say three, I want you just to raise your hands in this place. One, two, three, right now. That's awesome. And it's so good. So good. So anybody else? Anybody else? So cool. You guys can put your hands down. We're going to pray a prayer, and this prayer isn't what gives you the fresh start. Your decision is what gave you the fresh start, but this prayer, we're going to pray together out loud. One, so that you know that you're surrounded by a bunch of other people who care for you, who are in this relationship with Jesus with you. But this is just, this is just me basically helping you start a conversation with your Creator, with your Savior. So everyone repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, this morning I decide to give you my life. Thank you for a fresh start. Thank you for forgiving me for every sinful thing I've done or will do. Teach me to be loved by you and help me to love others the same way. In Jesus' name.